Hello there, everybody. Welcome to uh, Around the League, which is a new show that On the Forecheck is starting to look at what the other teams around the league are doing. I'm Emmett Smith. I'm a staff writer for On the Forecheck. You all know me from the week ahead and the On the Forecheck podcast. Um, and today I have with me from BroadStreetHockey.com, Kelly Hinkle. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I just realized I've been saying your name wrong in my head. I've been saying <laughs> Amen in my head. It is Amen. I th- I see, I thought you said something different. Never mind. I'm really <laughs> bad with names, so it didn't totally surprise me. I pronounce everything wrong. So, um, yeah. But it's, I guess I wasn't. Okay. <laughs> it's Gaelic, so a lot of people get it wrong. But congrats, you said it right. So there you Nailed go. It. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it is currently Sunday, February the 21st. We are recording this at 2.22 Central Time. Uh, so the Flyers and the Bruins play tonight on Lake Tahoe. It's supposed to start at 7.30 Eastern Time, but that's probably not going to happen based upon some stuff that I've seen. Um, but we're going we're gonna to talk about the Flyers here today. Um, obviously. My favorite team besides the Predators, maybe my favorite team, period. Uh, I yammer on about them a lot, um, so you all are pretty familiar with that. But uh, we're, we're going to talk about what's going on in the division and then a few questions for Kelly to talk about with uh, what's going on with the Flyers in particular. Just give Predators fans a bit of an idea of what's going on around the league, hence the title of the show. Um, so first, I just want to get your thoughts on some stuff in the division here. Um Let's talk about the best teams in the division besides Philly, because um, we're going to spend the majority of the show talking <laughs> about the Flyers. Uh, so the Bruins currently lead the Mass Mutual East Division, if you want to really put the uh, title in front of it there, um, in points percentage, followed up by the Flyers, then the Capitals and the Penguins. Um, do, do you just want to talk about like, what, what are each of these teams doing well? Why are they better or slightly worse than the Flyers? Well, Boston, like always, is just infuriatingly good, even when they're not. Um, they started off the season having some real trouble scoring goals. Um, like, couldn't buy a goal for the first few games there in the season. And then, you know, they just decided, never mind. We know how to score goals. We're just going to do all of that again. And, uh, yeah, as, as far as the Flyers are concerned, the Bruins um, have very clearly been the best team in the division. They have been giving the Flyers absolute fits in every game that they've played. So tonight's game on Tahoe should be pretty interesting considering the Flyers are without six of their top players. So, yeah, the, the Bruins are just – I mean – They've got that first line, the perfection line, which is, you know, annoyingly perfect. They have Tuka Rask that apparently is just never going to not be good in goal. I keep waiting for the year that his like career is going to drop off because he's old, but I guess it's not this one either. Um, but yeah, they're just a, a really good hockey team, and I didn't think that it was going to be a big deal that they were in the Flyers division. Like, I knew that they were going to be good, but I was like, man, the Flyers are good, too. It's fine. Turns out they're they're really good, and, and they seem to have the Flyers number completely. Um, Washington and Pittsburgh, for me, are a little less – I'm not going to say less good. They're, they're obviously good teams, but I don't – I don't fear them for the Flyers the way I do the Bruins. I feel like 
if we're talking about a playoff series, which is obviously where this all ends up, I don't have any worry that the Flyers could not beat the Penguins or the Capitals in a seven-game playoff series. It's a different story with the Bruins. So the Capitals obviously have some high-end, top-end talent, but you get further down the lineup, and I think things get a little sus. Um, And their goaltending situation is also a little sus. And then they've had the, the COVID problems as well. So that hampered them a little bit. The The penguins are very obviously on the downswing, like this version of the penguins. So that's not really a, a big deal for me either. I don't really worry about them as far as being competition that the flyers can't handle. Um, despite the flyers early struggles, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit. I do believe that they are, easily one of the top three teams in this division. So I, I don't worry too much about the bottom part of it. Yeah. Um, I would definitely, I mean, I'm biased obviously, but I would agree with you. The Flyers are clearly one of the three best teams in the division, especially I'd say in terms of talent, they're the best team in the division. Um, it's just Boston mm-hmm. has that top line. They have a good goalie um, and they play a good system. Um, but they're not they're not especially deep anymore. They lost a lot of pieces this year, obviously. Uh, Tori Krugley's uh, free agency, and then same with Chara, mm-hmm. um, which Chara wasn't the same player at this point, but still, that's not something that you want to have walk away, per se, um, without having a good way to replace him. Um, and I, I also know <laughs> from listening to uh, your Checking Out the Competition podcast, you talked about uh, – the Bruins with uh, Sky, our friend Sky from Stanley Cup of Chowder. And uh, tonight, the Bruins are going to have a lot of players missing due to injuries. Um, so that should be interesting for anybody listening to this. Um, it's it's going to come out after this game is over. Um, so you already know what happened. But uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Bruins look when they're on a little bit different playing field in terms of depth. But the Flyers look like half their roster is the Phantoms right now. So it'll be interesting. Um I, I want to talk about two within the division. There, there are a lot of established stars within this East division. You have Jack Eichel, Claude Giroux, mm-hmm. um, Crosby and Malkin, obviously, um, Ovi. But there are some players who don't get talked about quite as much who are starting to kind of get a little bit more national attention, guys like a Jakob Vrana or something like that. Who's a star player who's really impressed you this year within the East that you normally wouldn't be like, oh, yeah, that guy's a stud? I was thinking a lot about this um, question, and it was kind of – it's a, a little bit difficult, mostly because I'm sure – it's like this for you too. Like I'm so laser-focused on the Flyers at all times that a lot of times what the other teams are doing doesn't really – come into my brain <laughs> all that much um but there are quite a lot of extremely talented players in this division um obviously we talked a little bit about boston and we talked to sky and i the other day about um charlie Coyle struggling a little bit but he is a very good player he's somebody that i remember flyers fans really wanting on their team um back when he was kind of on the move. I'm glad we didn't get him, but he's somebody that I think that when he's in the lineup and playing well, you really have to keep an eye on him. Um, If we're talking about the Capitals, obviously, like you said, Jakob Vrana is good. Um, 
Chara actually being on that team is kind of interesting. Because like you said before, he's not. it's not like he's good anymore. Um, just like from a production standpoint or anything. But he's still Zdeno Chara. And I feel like if you're talking about the Caps, like if they're going to have a weakness, it's defense. And I feel like just having somebody that large back there that can just swing a stick around and cover so much ice, it kind of shores up a part of that team where they were lacking a little bit, which makes them a little bit more dangerous because obviously they're going to score goals. So if they can also stop you from scoring goals, you're going to have a problem. Um, And then, you know, you talked about Jack Eichel. I feel bad for that kid. (laughs) It's such a mess up there in Buffalo, which is like kind of a bummer because that's a good hockey town. It kind of sucks that they don't have – a good hockey team. Um, the Rangers obviously have some names that I think should be better than they are. And perhaps they'll come out eventually. Like obviously they have Lafreniere should be good at some point. He's not right now, which is kind of funny, but they also have Capococco. He's really good. Um, Adam Fox for them has been playing really well. I noticed that in the game last week that the Flyers played. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a lot of names to be paying attention to. And then when you talk about the flyers, like they have quite a lot of guys. I think that if you're not someone like us that pays attention to them, you might not realize that like, you know, Joel Farabee is turning into quite a a little player. Like he's kind of a, a goal scorer that I, I don't know that I was expecting him to be so good so quickly. So that's kind of fun. Um, then you have kind of these guys that I think, the guys that are getting a shot now, like I'm real big on David Kasha, who's gotten a chance with these these COVID situation that's going on. He doesn't get a lot of play because he's small, um, but kind of like his brother, who unfortunately has another concussion and isn't playing right now. Um, he's really sneaky good and has really good hands. And we were kind of talking about how he should have been in the uh, shootout mix for the Flyers the other day because he's he's kind of like, you know, a sneaky good goal scorer if he's in alone on a goaltender, which he, you know, in a game situation, he's not going to get the opportunity very much because he's a small guy. Um, but yeah, there there's a lot of young talent coming up in this division and really like across the league. That's like really exciting because – as this like current generation of great players starts to wind down, like the Crosby, OV, Drew generation of players starts to wind down, it's nice to know that there's, you know, quite a lot of talented players waiting in the wings. That's going to keep things fun for us. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Nashville Predators uh, in their quote unquote youth movement, as it was defined before the season, have like two rookies in the lineup and that's it. Uh, uh, but <laughs> you, you've... Uh, basically opened up for me to go on my first flyers related tangent of the show um where i gush about uh david kasha and joel farabee um i was a huge fan of joel farabee coming out of the draft i thought he was a top 10 talent Mm -hmm. um and a lot of people disputed that a lot of people liked uh oliver wallstrom better than him um I, I felt like he just he's one of those guys where um, you see it every year. There's a player where they just kind of do everything pretty well um, and they have a, a few really plus tools um, in, in Farabee's case. His shot, his ability to create takeaways and his skating were all things where I was like, this kid has 
strong tools in all these areas. Um, and I feel like scouts tend to get too nitpicky with those guys. Um, a lot of the time mm-hmm. they're looking for something to be wrong with them. The perfect case in point was this past year, uh, Anton Lundell uh, from the Finnish league was one of those dudes where you're like, this guy could probably step into the NHL and be a third line center and be good as an 18 year old. Um, and he fell to 12 to the Florida Panthers this past year, just because he didn't have like a, again, quote unquote, standout skill. Meanwhile, the guy has a good shot. He has good hands. Um, so Farabee, I always felt like was one of those dudes where he got underrated as a prospect because he wasn't especially flashy. He just did everything really solidly and then did a couple things more than that. Um, and he's been tearing it up this year. Uh, basically opened up the year scoring around a goal per game. He had a hat trick, um, which I mean, two of the goals were really pretty. One of them was not, uh, but who cares? Mm-hmm. Get him. Uh, and he's got a wonderful one-timer. The Flyers are starting to use him as a weapon more on the power play. Um, so just just a wonderful player to watch. Um, and he's again, he's only like 20 years old, which is pretty bonkers. Um, it's it's wild to see this kid. He came into the NHL um, after so so basically his career path for those who are listening who don't know. Um, he was taken by the Flyers 14th overall. Um, goes to I believe. I'm completely blinking if it was Boston University or Boston College. I'm pretty sure it was BU, right? Um, and goes there, wins the freshman of the year for the NCAA, scores over a point per game as an 18-year-old, comes to the Flyers as a 19-year-old, um, doesn't make the team out of camp, plays seven games with the Phantoms, gets called up, stays with the team, has a solid rookie season, kind of up and down. And then this year, he's just come out of the gate firing. Um, so he's been wonderful. Um, if you're if you're gonna go watch a Flyers game at any point, look out for number 86. He changed his number, um, which I kind of mm-hmm. dig. I like weird numbers. Um, I'm a big fan of when Ryan Ellis wore number 49 as a defenseman. Uh, <laughs> so, um, and then in terms of David Kasha, uh, have always loved David Kasha. I'm like the number two or three David Kasha fan behind uh, Alex Appleyard. Um, <laughs> I, I I gush about David Kasha to anybody who will listen because he's one of those dudes where just because he's small, he doesn't get a ton of NHL love, but he does all the little mm-hmm. stuff right. I mean, he's a smart player. He he reminds me of Oscar Lindblom in that regard where he's a much better skater than Oscar Lindblom, but uh, he's a guy where he's he doesn't do anything particularly flashy. He just plays really solid fundamental hockey, and then he has good hands on top of it that he will show out with every once in a while. Um, and he's been kind of thrown up and down the Phantoms lineup and done everything that they've asked of him. So I'm glad that he's finally getting a shot in the NHL. Um, he looked good in limited stints last year, and I think he'll be maybe the next Nicholas Albe Kubel where he can be a breakout candidate for the team and be a good bottom six player. <laughs> I really hope so. We're actually, I, I think that um, BSH collectively behind you and Appleyard are like the David Kasha fan club. Um, he is one of those guys that I, I do kind of fear. Like, Abe Kubel got looked over for a long time. Like, he should have been brought up ages before he was because he was very obviously talented enough to be an NHL player. And uh, it seemed like once the front office turnover happened in Philly is when he finally got a shot. And I, I hope that it doesn't take that long for Kasha to get a real long look. Um, 
it's going to be tough for him to crack the lineup just because of the depth the Flyers have when they're healthy. But um, it is good that when he does get these little these little chances, he never really blows it. Like he's not often, you know, a number one star in the game. Like he's not that guy. Like he's never going to take over a game. But as far as a bottom sixer goes, he's very good. And I think that he's got enough talent that there's always a chance that he could, you know, have a little bit of a breakaway and score a nice pretty goal because the talent is there. He's just small and in limited ice time, he's he's going to do enough that I think that he could stick in a lineup somewhere. I don't know if it'll be Philly just because of the depth, but I like him quite a lot and I hope he does get a real shot at the NHL at some point. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm definitely all aboard the uh, David Kasha train. Um, <laughs> it's so sad that his brother Andre has uh, struggled with the concussions and everything. Hopefully David yeah. has a nice, healthy career. Um, let's let's move on to talk about the team that we're here to talk about, because uh, we've done a little bit of discussion about what's going on around the league. Um, but we've already started to talk about the Flyers and derail into them, uh, <laughs> as <laughs> tends to happen. So let's just go straight into it. Um, Watching this team uh, makes me want to pull my hair out a lot of the time, as is typical. Um, but they're still they're still a good team. They're currently eight three and three. Um, they're second in the central or not central, geez, uh, the East Division. But watching them, they seem to struggle pretty hard defensively in some games, especially with the actual defensemen. Um, I feel like they're starting to figure it out a little bit, but uh, still kind of a mess back there. And then the big red flag for me is that. They're last in Corsi 4 percentage and they're fourth worst in expected goals 4 percentage. Um, so the underlying numbers last year for the Flyers were quite good, um, especially defensively. And then this year, they're kind of stinking it up a little bit. Um, and and there's some reasons for why their record is good as it is, um, despite those numbers and everything. But uh, what, do, what do you feel about underlying process versus the results at this point? So... This is, I don't know what, this seems like a touchy subject for Flyers fans for some reason. I don't, I don't understand. I tend to be an optimistic hockey fan generally, um, just because it's more fun for me that way. <laughs> like I, I want the team to do good. And so I, I tend to like overly focus on the things that are going well. I mean, there's no question. And I think this is something that we knew before they even played a game this season, that the defense is a little bit of a disaster just because once they lost Niskanen, the pairings were no longer set. And then all of a sudden it becomes a puzzle that you have to put together on the fly with pieces that you don't really know where they fit. You kind of just kind of jam them together and see what sticks. We knew it was going to be a bit of a mess. What we didn't know, I think heading into the season was that the forwards on the team we're also going to be a mess in their own end. Um, I think that we expected that given how talented the Flyers are on offense, uh, both top-end talent, I think, and depth-wise, I think we expected that they would be able to pick up the slack for a poor defense a little bit more than they have. And they haven't, and you know that's been a bit of a problem. As you said, the, you know, the possession numbers – the goal scoring numbers, not great. Um, they have a real problem with shots, both not taking enough 
not taking high quality ones when they're taking them and giving up way too many to the other team. So there are very obvious process problems that you can't discount and over the long term are, you know, going to lead to, I think, disappointment for the fans and the team. But right now, they are still finding ways to win hockey games. That, I think, is something that isn't quantifiable and can't really be proven in any way. It's not like a real thing, but it is a thing that I think is important on a hockey team. Like, there's no real reason why a team playing like crap for most of the time that they're playing should have an eight, three and three record. Like they should probably not be doing that well, but they are. And that's because at the end of the day, these are talented hockey players playing badly, not bad hockey players, which I think makes a big difference. And that is why I personally am not overly concerned that the bad process that we've seen over the start of this season is something that's going to continue. It's already, I think, starting to turn a corner. And then, of course, like this whole COVID thing happened. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen when everybody's back in the lineup. But the four check was starting to improve. Um, it seemed like the defense was settling down a little bit. Um, the forwards were doing a little bit better defensively. Getting Sean Couturier back obviously helps with that a whole lot. Um but yeah, it's it's I think it's it's fair to be concerned that the underlying numbers are crap because they are. And if you go a whole season with crappy underlying numbers, you're probably going to have a bad time. I just don't see any reason to believe that the Flyers won't improve though, because this is the same roster essentially that produced the good underlying numbers that you talked about just a second ago last year. There's no reason to believe they can't do that again. It's just, you know, everything's a little bit messy right now and it's not helping that, you know, this whole pandemic thing is happening and now affecting the flyers. So yeah, I guess long story short, (laughs) I'm not that concerned that they're not playing perfect hockey because they're getting wins. And if you're going to play badly and you can still bank points, that gives you some wiggle room to turn things around, which I think is exactly what the flyers will do. It's pretty interesting, the contrast between the way that they're playing this season versus last season, because I feel like last year, um, watching them, it was you had guys like Tyler Pitlick and uh, NAK just going in like maniacs on the four check. Um, and then it was a lot of perimeter shooting going on, um, and they they were just starting to win games based on defense and effort stuff. Like I mean, effort is hard to quantify, but you could tell they were outworking teams. Um, and then this year, I wouldn't say that the effort is bad per se. They're clearly working hard out there. Um, it's just some failures to execute occasionally. Um, the one thing I will note, though, is that if you look at expected goals per unblocked shot taken, they're first in the league um, by a huge margin. It's not even particularly close. They're getting If they're getting a shot on net um, or a shot attempt that's not blocked, it's going to be a good chance to go in the back of the net. Um, So at least they're getting really high quality chances. Maybe once they start figuring things out a little bit more, uh, then they'll convert that into a high volume of uh, high danger chances. Um, But that's, that's a good problem to have, I guess, is just we're taking only good shots. Um, We need to take more shots period. 
uh, versus the Predators, who just kind of throw everything on the net. Um, <laughs> as everybody who knows listening, uh, or everybody who's listening knows, uh, they just like taking shots from the point, kind of a Dave Haxall era stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of the Preds, uh, we have a key player to talk about here. Um, so it's come out in the news lately from a couple of different sources. Uh, I remember specifically, though, in 31 Thoughts from Elliot Friedman. Uh, that it was mentioned they are looking to potentially move Matthias Ekholm, um, who is a very good defenseman for anybody listening who doesn't know about him. Uh, he's probably a top pair guy or a number one defenseman on like 60% of the teams in the league um, for most of his career. He's been that good and he's just played on the Predators. So he's been the third man. Um, but Currently on a 3.75 million AAV contract, um, got two years left on that, uh, including this year. Um, and he's 30 years old, good production, great player, and he's a lefty shot. So not quite as valuable as a right-handed shot, but, uh, the Flyers are a team that makes a lot of sense for him. I feel like, um, they're, they're looking to solidify the decor a little bit with the loss of, uh, Matt Niskanen to retirement out of nowhere in the off season. And Ivan Provorov needs a proper top pair guy to play with. Um, I love Shane Gostaspare. I'm one of the biggest Shane Gostaspare defenders that you'll ever find. But I don't think that he's a true top pair guy at this point in his career. He's probably best suited to be a uh, second pair dude. Um, And I I think the Flyers, it would make maybe some sense for them to move on from him. Not because he's a bad player or anything. Because a lot of people are yelling on Twitter, trade ghost, he sucks or whatever. But uh more so just because uh if you can move him for uh Ekholm in order to shift the cap around a little bit I feel like that would be a good trade for them uh and the Predators would probably have to get some nice pick incentives coming back the other way but uh what what do you feel like a Ekholm trade could look like if you're a Flyers fan what would you want it to look like um and then do you feel like he's a good fit for what this team needs to be improving upon so to answer your last question first, um, like, yes, definitely. Because the the big glaring hole for the Flyers this entire season has been, as you said, the Matt Niskanen-shaped hole on the defense that Chuck Fletcher was unable to fill in the offseason. Um, and, you know, we, as we said, came into the season knowing that it was going to be a problem, but we're kind of hopeful that perhaps they could piecemeal together a good defense with what they've got. Um, It hasn't been as bad as I expected it to be, to be quite honest with you, as bad as it's been, but it definitely needs to be better. Like if this is going to be a year that the Flyers make themselves any kind of run, like this can't be the defense that we go into the playoffs with. So getting someone like Ekholm would be great. He's not a perfect puzzle piece for this defense as you said he's a lefty I think the Flyers would probably prefer that they got a right-handed guy but you know getting a top pair defenseman is not very easy there aren't that many of them (laughs) and they don't really become available very often so I think that you do at some point kind of have to you know make a couple of concessions. Like he's not going to be exactly perfectly what you want, you know, finding a a right-handed number two that becomes available that you can get probably going to be difficult. So if you can get a guy 
and then make maybe he can play on his offside maybe somebody else can play on his offside who knows you can figure that out later um but the real problem with this trade is as you said cap that's a problem right off the bat the flyers simply cannot afford him as it stands so they would have to shed money in order to do it obviously gosses bear does that he makes four and a half um but my only hesitation there, like it, it does make sense trade wise. Um, I think Ghost would benefit from a trade just because you know fresh start that usually helps. Um, he would probably do well on a team like Nashville, as far as I know. Um, I don't think are there a ton of offensive defensemen on Nashville right now. Uh, so we traded Subban. Um, so I'd say yeah, that one Yossi. <laughs> Yossi is uh, the only guy who's like a pure, he's out there to just drive offense. And then Ellis is more of a two-way guy. He's had a rough year so far. And uh, besides that, I mean, Dante Fabro, uh, I, I think in a second here, if I talk about like what kind of seasons Ekholm's been having lately, um, Fabro is not a good chemistry fit for Ekholm because he's a very similar type of player. Um, mm. He's defense only a lot of the time. Um, he wants to back off the puck constantly. So I feel like Ghost would be a great pair for uh, Fabro personally because he can take care of all the puck moving and then Fabro can just chill and do his thing. Uh, so so that's kind of the state of the franchise. But I've, I've always felt like Ghost would be a good fit for this team, especially with their uh, propensity to take shots from the point. So <laughs> The only thing that makes me nervous about that is that Obviously, you're you would be trading Ghost for an improvement, defense-wise. Like you're getting a better player back for the defense, but you're still losing a defenseman, and that's the place where the Flyers are the weakest, and that makes me a little bit nervous. That said, I mean, just looking at the Flyers' roster, if they're gonna lose, they need to shed about let's say three and a half million dollars in order to make this work cap wise um it's gonna be tough for them to do because obviously you know the good young forwards that we have are mostly still on you know like Farabee's on an ELC I don't want to see him traded but like even if you did trade him it's not going to solve your cap problem um Nolan Patrick obviously doesn't make very much money right now that's not going to solve your problem so you know they're not going to take James Van Riemsdyk or something like it's, it's going to be hard for them. I think to shed enough salary trading forwards to get a defenseman. So ghost really is kind of the only way that you can go. Um, and I, I guess that's kind of just the, the hole that ghost would leave relative to how much better Ekholm would make the defense. It's, Probably. I mean, I'm not like, listen, if I'm Chuck Fletcher and what's his face from Nashville calls me and is like, can we get Shane Goss's bear in your first for at home? I'd be like, yeah, let's do that right now. Send him, send him over. I'm not saying it's a trade that I wouldn't do. I'm just saying that it's, it's not a, an absolutely perfect situation for the flyers because you are losing a piece on defense that has been, relatively stable like I think that this season you could say he's been he's been good not not the old not the old Shane Goss's bear but like also 
people need to let go of that guy. Like that guy doesn't exist anymore. Give it up. But he's been good. He's been a solid part of the defense in a year where the defense has been kind of a tire fire. And so losing that little bit of stability is a little bit scary because you still need to ice a third pair, right? And the third pair is terrifying. Um, That said, yeah, I would do that trade every day. (laughs) Like every single day I would do that trade. So it, it would be nice. I'm sure that this is something that Fletcher is looking very hard at. Because as we said, like these kinds of guys don't go on the market very often. Why is he being shopped? Do you know why? Uh, <laughs> so he's he's the the easiest contract to get a huge return for out of all of the players. Like Ryan Ellis is extended long term. Um, he's more expensive, and with the flat cap, it's going to be harder to move those kinds of players around. Yeah. Um, and also, he's been listed as untouchable um, for some reason. So there, there are three players that are, according to Friedman, um, untouchable on the roster. It's Yossi, who has a no-move clause and is the captain um, and is coming off of a Norris-winning year. So like the fan base would probably riot if you traded him. <laughs> uh, Ellis, who last year was maybe the best defenseman in the NHL before he got hurt uh, on that BS Corey Perry shot to the head in the Winter Classic. Um and he's extended long-term. He's a righty. He plays on that top pair with Yossi. He's had a bad year this year so far, but he'll probably turn it around. Um, and then you have Ekholm, who – or not Ekholm. He's not untouchable. Rene, um, Pekka Rene, mm. who's – they're just like, you're going to finish your career as a predator. You'll get a statue. Your number, number will be retired, whatever. But he deserves all of that. I kind of wish that we would trade him somewhere so we could go get a cup. Um, but he's probably not going to make the Hall of Fame. Um, sadly, it breaks my heart because he is a wonderful human being. So Ekholm is the guy that they're looking at and they're like, all right, this dude is a top pair defenseman on basically any other team in the NHL. Um, and he's got a cheap contract. We're not going to be able to protect him in the expansion draft. It's either him or Dante Fabro. Um, and Fabro is the younger piece who's cheaper currently. So they're like, because Ekholm is due for an extension um, after this year, and it's going to be a pricey one because he's been really good. Um, so they're like, we need to move him now. This team is reluctantly getting forced into a rebuild. Um, it looks like like there are rumblings out of the front office mm-hmm. that basically David Poyle doesn't want to do a rebuild. Um and that ownership is kind of wishy-washy at this point. Uh, the guy who was making a lot of the hard decisions back uh, when Trotz got fired and Laviolette got hired and stuff like that uh, is gone now. And they have a dude who's just kind of like, do whatever you want, David. Um, so Poyle might just keep dragging the franchise further and further down into the depths, trying to get one more piece uh, or fix the team and make them a playoff team again. But uh yeah, so that's kind of where Ekholm stands. Um, he's he's the odd man out because of the whole expansion draft stuff and everything, which it'd be complicated for the Flyers too. Um, they'd have to expose one of Phil Myers or Travis Sanheim, most likely. Um, if they got Ekholm on the roster, I'm pretty sure. Uh, or if they, if they wanted to protect, I think you can protect four defensemen, but then you'd have to expose one of the key forwards who were uh, part of the younger core. Um, and that would stink. Mm-hmm. So uh, they have guys like Cam York and uh, Igor Zamula coming up in the pipeline. So maybe you're like, okay, Sanheim is on a bridge deal and he's going to get paid huge money. 
um, after he comes off of it. So we expose him to Seattle um, and then Ekholm can slide in for him. It would be brutal. And I love Travis Sennheim, but that's kind of the reality of the situation. The, the reason, though, I feel like this makes a lot of sense for Philly is Ekholm legitimately makes them a Stanley Cup contender um, if they're not already. They are, they're a really good team. They have one of the most talented, deep forward cores in the league. And then now they have a guy who I feel like Flyers fans will just adore. Um, he's six foot four. He's 220 pounds. He plays the game with physicality. Uh, he, he has some of those big hip checks at the line that Flyers fans have always been like, man, I wish we had Nick Cronwall. Um, he's kind of, he's kind of Nick Cronwall light um, in a lot of ways. Uh <laughs> He rarely makes a mistake Um, when he does. It's almost always because he's trying to cover for his partner. Um, And he's got a big booming shot. He's, he's pretty much uh, think everything that you liked about Kimo Timonen, Um, but he's a big boy and he's a Swede uh, rather than a Finn. And that's, that's basically what you've got in at home. Um, (laughs) Maybe a less fun personality than Kimo, but uh, just, that's that's kind of him, um, and that's that's where that stands. I have a trade drawn up here where, rather than Goss despair, this would be oh. the Flyers would have to shed a lot more futures in order to do this, but it would work cap wise, and I feel like it would make more sense for if they're just going for the cup this year. This is this is probably the best trade they can go about. So they have Eric Gustafson, who is a three million dollar cap hit this year. Um, and he expires after this year. So the Predators obviously don't want to take on a ton of salary in this trade for the long term, especially if they're trying to get worse um, so that they can go after top draft picks. Gustafson is a player that makes sense to acquire because you already stink this year. You're going to be even worse with him on the roster because he's a mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, he doesn't cost you a ton in the long term because he's gone after this year. Um so the Flyers would probably have to include a pretty significant package along with Gustafson in terms of uh, prospects and picks um, in order to make that trade feasible because, again, Ekholm is a top pair guy. He's going to be sought after, especially on that price tag. Um, so I, I said the Predators trade Matthias Ekholm for Eric Gustafson, uh, Morgan Frost, and a first-round pick. That is that is my proposed trade here, and I know that's kind of a steep price, but not accept because you like Morgan Frost, right? No, I accept. Oh, you do accept. No, no, no. I, I, I feel do like accept. that's a good trade, right? I do accept. Um, it's a, it's a, I think it's a great trade for the Flyers. I said earlier this year, um, before Frost got hurt, that he's probably the piece that you need to make available if you're going to try to get a top pair defenseman. Because I do think that he is, at minimum, going to be a very solid 3C. Um, I do think that in the right situation, with the right, you know, maturing and development, could be a 2C. I think he's super talented. And I don't know where he fits on the Flyers long term just given the the nature of the Flyers' center depth. Um, so as much as I like Morgan Frost, and I, I really want him to be on this team, I wish that they would just let him play wing so that he could make this roster. Of course, none of this matters anymore because he's hurt. Um, but yeah, I, I, would, I would do that trade for sure. That would be great, actually, because first of all, 
you're losing Eric Gustafson, which is just an immediate win. Like, <laughs> the team's better instantly. Um, and also, you you don't have to give up Ghost. And you, I mean, honestly, it's probably good for Morgan Frost because he's going to get a chance to actually get NHL time, which I don't know if he's ever going to get that regularly here, at least for the next couple of years. So, yeah, that's a, I like that one. You should um, make some calls. Yeah. <laughs> try to get someone, try to get someone to do that. <laughs> uh, the only, the only tweaks I would maybe make and would maybe give you hesitation is let's say Poyle asks for another high pick, not like a first rounder per se, but like a second or third rounder. And then he tweaks it so that the first rounder is not 2021, but 2022. Um, because the 2021 draft is kind of a mess for anybody who pays attention mm. to that. No one knows who the hell is going to go first overall. Um, and it's like basically impossible to scout this year. As somebody who likes to watch prospects a whole lot, I'm. <laughs> it's really hard. Um, it's just you wake up randomly for KHL and MHL games, or you try really hard to watch uh, USHL and go, uh, yes, I'm drawing conclusions from this, even though these players are like way better than everybody around them. Uh, so it's it's really it's a really bad year to have a high pick in the draft, and the Flyers are probably going to be a really low pick. So if he says, "I want your 2022 first, I want a second round pick this year, and I want Morgan Frost and Eric Gustafson," do you still take that trade? Yeah, here's the thing. This is where I am with the Flyers right now. Um, we did the pick hoarding and prospect acquiring thing. It was a necessary thing that needed to be done for this organization because the depth was non-existent. There was nothing coming up the pipeline. That problem has been solved. And as we learned, at some point, you need to turn a corner from development and farm teaming and prospects and picks into winning a Stanley Cup. And the Flyers have turned that corner. And I don't give a crap. I don't know if I'm allowed to say bad words on your podcast. <laughs> I don't care if the Flyers don't have a first-round pick for the next five years, if it means that they're acquiring NHL talent that helps the team immediately, that takes them the next step that they need to take to be an actual, legit, year-after-year year Stanley Cup contender. I... It's enough. Like the picks are great, but they are even if they're number one overall picks, they're lottery tickets. And sometimes you get lucky, and sometimes you don't. The Flyers have stockpiled a nice little cache of prospects that they can use in trades, that they can bring up if they need to. But they need to make the team a team that wins now. And if you have to do that by taking good NHL players from teams that are in a rebuild and giving them futures, which is what they need. Cool. That's fine. I don't need them. It's enough. We're, we're all done picking. Now we have to win things. So, you know, if we never have a pick again, I mean, honestly, like you're a Flyers fan, right? Yes. If I told <laughs> Sadly. you, if I told you, right. If I told you that the Flyers would have zero draft picks, for the next five years, but they would 100% definitely win a Stanley Cup. Oh, in a heartbeat. Like, which one of those are you taking? Absolutely taking yeah, the right? Stanley Cup. Absolutely. Exactly. I don't, I don't, I mean. Do they win it this year Future though? Kelly. This is my question. Do they win it this year? Because I would prefer for it to be know. a little bit later so I could go up for the parade. That would be fun. 
I mean, I don't know if it's this year. I would like it to be during the Claude Giroux era, and I think we have probably like three, three or four years of that left. Um, but this is a team that needs to be in win-now mode, and that means that you have to sell off futures in order to get into win-now mode, and that's fine with me. Future Kelly in five or six years is probably going to be annoyed that the Flyers have like zero picks and no more prospects and everything is bad. And now what do we do? That's not for me to worry about right now. That's just, for just build a to good team. Years from now, <laughs> like get me a Stanley cup now, <laughs> however you have to do it. Worry about picks later. Agreed. Definitely agreed. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's time for Chuck Flesher. Uh, Chuck Fletcher. Sorry, I didn't enunciate very well there. It's time for him to channel a little Paul Holmgren here. Um, it's time for him to get a little spicy. Uh, get spicy. Throw, throw some picks around, uh, make some stuff happen. And I mean, David Poyle, if he if he gets that kind of offer, I feel like he can't refuse it because uh, Morgan Frost is a guy where he's close to the NHL. He'll probably hit the NHL around the same time as our top center prospect, uh, Philip Tomasino. Um, so then you have a nice one-two punch that can kind of uh, buoy the franchise while we're dealing with the ramifications of the Duchesne and Johansson contracts because uh, that could get pretty messy pretty fast there um, and they're both cost controlled players they're guys you can take through the rebuild um, it's, it's a good trade for them Gustafson's gone after that year so you shed three million in cap um, that you can use to extend younger guys or whatever you can weaponize the cap space to get more picks um, it just opens up a lot of opportunities for them. I hope and pray that they make the trade to the Flyers because I would cry because um, mm-hmm. Ekholm is my favorite player ever. Um, oh, and wow. yeah, he scored the first playoff goal I ever saw um, in person, uh, which was pretty neat. Oh, um, and I've signed puck by him and everything. So, uh, but I, I would, I would be so happy if the only two jerseys he ever wore in his career were a Flyers and a Preds jersey. That would be wonderful. Um, and it would be cool to see Morgan Frost as a pred. Uh, but that, that'll that kind of wrap up our at-home talk a little bit here. I feel like we spent plenty of time on him. Um, but okay. Chuck Fletcher, if you're listening to this, go get him, man. Go get him. Uh, yeah. We gave you some good ideas, yeah. Chuck. <laughs> Much like uh, the Flyers listen to uh, Fly Purbly and steal all of their good ideas for marketing from them. Uh, they definitely I, I hope that Chuck is listening to this this <laughs> random first edition episode of this uh around the league podcast and uh decides to take some things away from it i I have a couple of things to talk about before we wrap up the show here both of them concerning the goalies um one of them we're not going to spend a lot of time on because it's a dumb question but it needs to be answered uh carter hart has not had the year that a lot of people were expecting him to have um a lot of times goalies go through the sophomore slump and then the year after that they figure it all out and they're great um in Hart's case he came into the league super young had a good rookie season had a great year last year um fought through some injuries and some struggles uh on the road but was overall one of maybe the 10 best or 12 best goalies in the NHL great postseason whatever this year he's been kind of struggling um and a lot of people are in my mentions going aha Carter Hart is more like Carter Fart, get owned, nerd. No. Uh, but is this anything to actually worry about? Or is it just a bunch of overblown nonsense and he'll figure it out eventually because he's always figured it out? Yes. 
you nailed it. <laughs> I mean, he's he has had some, you know, big steamy piles of poop game wise this season. Um, specifically, the game against Boston, um, the second one against Boston, and the Buffalo game, if I'm remembering correctly, was a bit of a tire fire. But other than that, he's been, you know, not terrible. And he's had some games that he's been quite good, um, especially recently. And goalies don't make any sense, as we all know. They're voodoo. It's impossible to say, like, this is when a goalie will be good and this is when a goalie will be bad. It doesn't. No one knows. Yeah, so so Carter Hart's a slow starter, um, which makes him a perfect flyer because they're also slow starters. Um, but yeah, I uh, I think it's pretty clear that Carter Hart's a talented goaltender, um, and I think that's kind of all you need to know. Like he's he's going to be fine. Like I don't think we're looking at a Sergei Bobrovsky situation here. Like he's he's not just going to drop off a cliff and be a, a bad goaltender. He's had a little bit of a rough start, but there have been enough flashes of really good Carter Hart that I'm not worried at all. Yeah, we're not going to see like a bob for a bag of pucks and some belly button lint trade here. (laughs) And I also don't think we're going to see, you know, a really good outstanding rookie season and then he signs a 10-year contract and can't stop a beach ball. Like that's not going to happen either. No. He's a good goaltender. He's extremely young. You know, it's fine. Yeah. I, I feel like it's so stupid um, that uh, you guys talk about this a lot, and it's an extremely true thing. Um, Flyers fans and just Philly sports fans in general can't flip the switch between Eagle season and uh, hockey season. Every game is the end of the world and everything is on fire. Um, which is what part of what makes the fans wonderful because they're so intense and passionate and they care so much about the team on a nightly basis and they're always willing to talk. But at the same time, it kind of drives you a little bit nuts because you're like, this dude is 22. Right. <laughs> he's won at every single level. He's the only, uh, I'm pretty sure he's the only goalie in WHL history to win back-to-back goaltender of the years um, and also won an MVP one of those years, if I'm not mistaken. He's an unbelievable prospect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he might not be freaking like the best goalie in the league three years in. He's 22. Um, and I feel like you need to keep that in mind and then go look and consider like Andre Vasilevsky didn't hit the league until he was like 23 or 24 years old he played in russia a bunch before that and it took him a little bit to find his legs carrie price was bad for a couple of years and yarrow halak was the better goalie and everyone was like oh should they get rid of carrie price and should halak be the guy so like this is all just a bunch of overblown crap and carter hart will figure it out um he's shown that he can figure it out uh is he going to be a first ballot hall of famer surefire god tier goalie who wins the flyers like five stanley cups no maybe but uh, he could be but like i feel like that's a dumb expectation to heap (laughs) upon him so that when he lets up a bad goal once in a game you're like see this guy isn't the truth we're still looking for the goalie to solve our issues since uh pele Lindbergh. Mm -hmm. like that's that's an overreactionary thing um so 
let's let's move on from Carter Hart because I think we've just dispelled the stupid notion surrounding his struggles this year. Let's talk about your man, the big boy, uh, the the veteran tendy, uh, Brian Elliott, Bamf Elliott, uh, who's uh, having a really good year here. Um, Nine nine twenty nine save percentage, two point one nine goals allowed average for y'all who don't care too much for the fancy stats. And then if you want a fancy stat, uh, he's sixteenth in the league in goals saved above expectation. Um, that's better than Yaro Halak, Cam Talbot, or a rookie who was kind of highly touted coming into the season, Ilya Sorokin. Um, he's having a great year um, and helped stabilize the team through Hart kind of having some games where he's having to figure it out. Um, what do you feel like he's doing well uh, in particular this year? And in comparison to like your expectations for him coming into the season, how far is he outperforming them? So the thing with Brian Elliott that I think has been true since the Flyers first got him is that he is an in- incredibly good, legitimate backup goaltender, not a 1B, not a tandem like an actual backup goaltender in limited use. He does really well. Um, And the flyers, sorry, the cats here, the flyers have been able to use him properly because they have a good number one goaltender, a legitimate number one goaltender. And this season, I think Elliot has been, I mean, if we want to talk like, I don't, you know, technicalities, but in my mind, it looks like he tracks the puck really well. I've been paying attention to a lot of that, like just like watching them watch the puck during plays. And Elliot seems to be doing really well at that. And also he's just, you know, like you said, he's a veteran. He knows how to play goal in the NHL. If he doesn't need to do it 11 games in a row, like some might have made him do in the past. (coughs) Dave. He's he's good. He's a good backup goaltender. He's exactly what the Flyers need in that you can rely on him to come in in relief if Hart has a bad game and you can rely on him to start every third or fourth or fifth game and not have to worry about it being, you know, a penciled in loss because he's going to give you a chance to win the game. Um, For some reason, it does seem like the Flyers have played better in front of Elliott during his starts than Hart starts. I don't know if that's like a thing that we make up in our heads. Um, just because like, you know, Elliot comes in and all of a sudden the flyers are scoring goals and winning games. And then Hart comes in and there's like a thousand defensive breakdowns and they lose. I don't really think there's anything like actually to that. I think it's just a, a thing that we make up in our minds, but um, you know, I kind of am of the feeling that like as much as you rely on a goaltender to sometimes steal a game for you when the whole team's playing like crap, you got to also be able to depend on your team to bail out your goaltender if they're having a bit of a rough one. Like maybe lock it up a little bit more than you do if you if you think that your goalie's struggling. Maybe, you know, like score some goals <laughs> so that you don't have to rely on your goaltender, you know, saving 99% of them on any given night. I I don't know. I just think that Elliot is is a stable, reliable, good locker room. Like he's just a really good backup goaltender. 
And I, I think that that's something that's like not super highly valued anymore because a lot of teams do kind of go with a 1A, 1B thing. Um, but yeah, he's I expected that he would be exactly what he is. A guy that can come in when he needs to and play well enough to win you a hockey game. I will never stop being petty about the guy on Twitter who yelled at me for saying that Brian Elliott was good um, and told me that the team needed to dump him uh, because he was bad and old. And I was like, no, he's fine. He just can't be a starter who plays 80 games in a season like uh, Dave Dave Haxtell. It seemed to let like to do him with uh he's like all right brian so you're gonna go out there and you're gonna play 30 games straight and <laughs> this team's defense has uh <laughs> andrew mcdonald and brandon manning on it and you're gonna you're gonna you're just gonna win every game <laughs> and that's the plan uh <laughs> he's he's been great yeah i mean you have to know what he is and, you know, there's, like, very quickly diminishing returns. Like, Brian Elliott's first start is usually a very good game. If you're going to start him again consecutively, it's not going to be as good. If you're going to try to put him in for a third game, you're really pushing it. And he's probably going to get hurt. So you got you just have to know what he is. And it seems like Vigneault and Fletcher know exactly what he is and are using him appropriately and, as such, are getting good results. I just have an image in my head of him, like, waking up out of bed and like he, his knees are constantly bugging him and he's like making like the old man <laughs> sit down stand up noise where it's like oh <laughs> that and then also like uh i think one of my buddies made the joke that he puts like wd-40 on his joints every morning before he goes to the rink or something and i was just like man that's tough <laughs> he's, he's he's 35 um older guy but Preds fans are used to that because Pecorino, 38 years old now and still the starter for this team. <laughs> you're hurting my feelings now. Just because you're, th- you can stand up and sit down without noises when you're 35. <laughs> we're just, we're just making fun of him because he's got like the gray hair and the dad look and everything. That's he all. He is a full on dad. I'm, sure. I'm a, I'm a spring chicken over here, so I can't really make any comments about age. It's all relative, really. Uh, but that'll, that'll kind of wrap up the show here. Um, Good talking to you, Kelly. Good, good, uh, just chatting about the Flyers. I don't get to do that enough down here in Alabama. There's not a lot of Flyers fans here. Although surprisingly, I went to a uh, Birmingham Bulls SPHL game uh, the other night and uh, got tickets for that as a Christmas present from a buddy. And there was someone wearing an Eric Lindros jersey in the front row. So I was like, I have to go talk to you. <laughs> uh, but that was that was pretty cool. Um, Good, good talking to you here. And where can people find you? And what should they be reading on uh, Broad Street Hockey to keep up with the Flyers? So you can find me on Twitter at Hanks, H-I-N-X, if you choose to. Um, I'm more of an edit- editorial at this point at Broad Street Hockey. But we are doing um, a lot of really good stuff. We Especially uh, Brad... Keffer and Maddie Campbell on our site are doing some really good stuff with the Phantoms this season. And the Phantoms uh, so far are looking like a pretty fun team. So if you want to learn a little bit about what they're doing, check that out. Um, But yeah, you know, we're doing stuff, writing articles, doing podcasts. (laughs) Let's come check us out if you want to learn about the Flyers. 
All right. Well, thank you for plugging that um, for our listeners for reference, because I know a lot of people don't keep up super closely with the AHL. Uh, the Phantoms are probably the biggest threat to the Chicago Wolves this year. Um, the Wolves are the best team in the AHL. It's not even particularly yeah. close. They're undefeated. I think they have like, I want to say 14 more goals than the next closest team or something like that, because they're a combo team of the Hurricanes and the Predators. Oh, wow. Um, so they're just steamrolling everybody. They put up a 10 spot mm. the other night, um, which was pretty bonkers. Uh, but if you if you want to see a team that might actually meet them in the AHL, uh, give them some challenge, um, watch the Phantoms and especially read what Maddie and Brad are doing. Um, they're fantastic, especially love Maddie's stuff. And Brad does some really cool stuff with uh, analytics and stats. Um, both wonderful people to follow on Twitter, too. Uh, so go check that out. Um, can't plug them enough. Can't plug BSH enough. Go listen to their podcast too, because it's hilarious. Uh, the flagship one, and then also the less listened to, uh, <laughs> but equally as great fly purpley, um, are ones that you guys should definitely go check out. Um, I'm Evan Smith. Uh, you all know that by this point, hopefully, but I'm a staff writer for on the four check. You can read my stuff on the website on the four check.com. Uh, I do dumb stuff like making a giant WWE match out of uh, random Predators players or uh, simulating Jalen Ramsey's NHL career as a goalie, uh, in addition to writing some more serious things lately because the team's been bad, like a a manifesto for how they should be rebuilding, something like that. Uh, But go read that stuff. Go read all of the good content over on the 4Check. you can find me on Twitter at Jin and UC spelled like UC Saros um, dumb pun there. Uh, and that's, that's about all that we have for the show today. Kelly, do you have anything else? No, but this was great. Thank you so much for having me. Wonderful having you on. Uh, hopefully when we get to the end of the season, uh, can talk a little bit more about what's going on around the league again. Um, we're around the quarter mark here, so might do it halfway or whenever have you back on the show, but looking forward to that. Hey cool thank you all right well that does it for today um you'll have some look ahead podcasts coming out for this week for the red wings games and everything for when you guys are listening to this uh but in the meantime have a great week everybody go preds